Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Todd W., Jackie A., and Mike P. Tony Reda is on the show today. Tony is president and CEO of Tectonic Metals, a gold exploration company with assets and focus in Alaska, United States. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol T-E-C-T. Tony, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. I look forward to uh, speaking with you. Well, Tony, I suspect most of our audience doesn't know who you are. So can you tell us about your background and what attracts you to the natural resource sector? So my attraction to the mineral sector started actually at the age of 21. I was at a bar in Vancouver and I met an individual that started talking to me about an investment opportunity. So that when I was 21, that was, uh, oh my God, that was probably 1995, if I'm not mistaken. And I made an investment and I actually made a bit of money, which is uh, <laughs> not always the easiest thing to do in the mining sector. So that investment kind of got my, my interest going and I sort of jumped all in and started investing in stocks um, right through till Briex, which was 1997. Obviously that didn't, didn't end too well. And I was, actually was the uh, catalyst for the collapse of the Vancouver Stock Exchange at that time. Uh, fast forward to 2005, I was uh, a university student. I was also working for my father. He was a, a successful entrepreneur. We had a, several businesses on the go, but I, I kind of was looking for something different. And my, my investments kind of faded um, as I entered into university. And... I decided to start looking at the junior mining sector. And in 2005, I sat down with the chairman of a company called Kamenak Gold Corporation. And uh, we hit it off. I also met with um, one of the directors and another employee of the company, another vice, a vice president, uh, sorry, a vice president of this group of companies. And they, after a lengthy four, four person interview and a, a task that they assigned to me as part of a sort of a homework due diligence, um, I was hired by the company. So in 2005, I joined as investor relations and Kamenak Gold Corporation is uh, basically, we were, we were, we were literally a, a, a kind of a shell if you will in many ways, but uh, we were probably about a $3 million company and uh, I was the second hire. The first hire was a gentleman by the name of Rob Carpenter, who became the CEO of Kamenak. And um, there was a third hire, our chief geologist, uh, Craig Finnegan, and off we went. And uh, we basically started out as prospect generator. And fast forward to 2015, we ended up selling that company for 520 million. We delineated 5 million ounces and basically um, put this project, the coffee gold project, um, into the into the permitting phase. And that's when we were acquired by Gold Corp. Um, it's not, it wasn't just us, obviously the team evolved dramatically 
and the appointment of Ira Thomas as CEO in 2013 really um, catapulted the company to sort of another level. So, so that's kind of how a bit of background and what what got me interested. It was it was a, a pesky little investment in a junior mining company, and uh, it really just uh, highlighted just how much I love this industry. Well, very well. And it sounds like you've had one success. And is there any other stuff that you've done since starting Tectonic? Or are you pretty clean on your slate of uh, past successes and, and failures? <laughs> you know, uh, if, not speaking to the investments, I'm just saying Kamenak was actually my first mining mineral exploration company I've ever worked for. So I'm, I'm one for one, I guess you might say. And there were there were other successes within Kamenak that, that, you know, that's that's perhaps another conversation but coffee was definitely the, the the big win, the coffee gold project that is. Right. Well, tell us your thoughts on the gold market, Tony. Uh, and oh. what do you see occurring in the market over the next few years? Well, you know, um, there's two sides to to the gold market. Obviously, the you know, gold is looked at as a as a currency, um, as well as a, like a storage of, of wealth. And there's also the supply and demand side where the you know the major mining companies every day they produce an ounce of gold they're actually depleting the reserves so they, they need to find more so from that if we look at the supply and demand side i could i see that continuing to grow um mining is becoming uh, harder and harder you know they, they say the easy deposits have been found uh, i don't know if i necessarily buy into that um I think we just have to get smarter and do things a bit bit differently. There is there is definitely some some truth to that. But coffee, which was uh, discovered in 2010, was was essentially discovered by good old fashioned soil sampling, which is a, a basic tried and tested technique for finding gold deposits. So you know, is that an easy deposit to find? So I think we have to get creative on how we look and how we explore. And obviously, new newer technologies is going to make an impact, but the, the bottom line is these tier one assets that a lot of the, you know, top gold company mining companies talk about Barrick and uh, Newmont, for example, they're, they're getting those, those ones are, are especially harder to find. So they're going to have to find new gold and they've elected as of late to really focus on production and brownfields exploration and the organic growth is they're looking to the explorers to do that. So, um, I think that's going to make for a very exciting time um, in the junior mining sector. Sector as exploration is 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 back in vogue, and and people kind of forgot about that over, over the last ten years, where they a majority of uh, call it explorers, developers, and producers they just focused on developed assets or ounces in the ground, if you will. And then on the you know as far as the outlook, you know there's there's the the threat of war, you know the safe heaven the storage of value. I think there's also a little bit of a shift happening with the younger people, uh, the millennials, if you will, or even even younger, where they're starting to perk their ears up to gold. And that really hasn't happened in, in quite some time. And the 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 interest being is that obviously, you know, the devaluing of the of, of currencies, paper money, if you will. And you know, physical gold is actually is actually real you can touch it you can feel it um there's something to it so i definitely think you know I mean, you know obviously we know one wants war but that's that's causing gold to to um to obviously move up but it's ultimately just the perception that it's you know it is a storage of wealth and more people will will be drawn to that and, and there is something fascinating about gold 
versus paper money. So I, I do think, you know, long story short, the supply and demand side is going to continue to grow. And I see, you know, over the long term, gold continuing to rise because deposits are getting harder to find. The majors need more ounces. And then on the flip side, paper money and the belief in it is just sort of decoupled, has decoupled and it's going to continue to decouple more aggressively. Well, I certainly agree with that. I think that uh, you certainly have uh, a losing, slowly declining faith in fiat currencies, and uh, there's no doubt that uh, gold will be a, a fantastic place to park some of your assets for the just for the purposes of protection of wealth, not necessarily to grow it, but just to protect mm -hmm. it. Um, if you take mm -hmm. that standpoint, I think you're going to set yourself up for success. Tony, is there any other metals you'd like to touch on that you'd like going forward? Well, I see, I see this, you know, again, the supply and demand side theory can be applied to everything. Um, you know, copper in particular, um, also, can, you can also apply the, you know, our, our economies are, are growing. Um, there, these, these niche metals, um, you know, I'm, I don't know, those, those can get a little bit tricky from, a, from an investment perspective or my perspective. I mean, I stick to gold predominantly, but definitely copper, nickel is, is, is definitely something that's going to continue, continue to grow here. Uh, silver always has a need and a place. So, you know, I, I try to take the path of least resistance, but I, I'm not totally the, an expert or spend a lot of time focusing on some of these, um, you know, the lithium, the cobalt, you know, there's a place for all of that, but, you know, that, that's not really my bailiwick, to be perfectly honest. Very well. Well, tell us a little bit more about your success with Kamenak Gold. We, we know Gold Corp bought the company. And a matter of fact, over here at Smith Weekly Research, it was one of our first uh, larger winners um, for us out of our recommendations in our investment newsletter called Venture Investor back, I want to say it was 2015, 2016 mm. timeframe. Were there some failures along the way? What oh. things, you were there the entire time, what, what things weren't working out so well? And how did you guys get that fixed? Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, as it turned out, just to provide a bit of, bit of background, I, I was the longest standing employee from 2005 right through to the sale actually in 2016. So I've uh, I, I I saw it all. Um, the the failures, you know, I, you know, I I I'm actually we were kind of blessed. Um, you know, we 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 did find you know we we executed other drill programs with partners, and we actually did you know, find gold or, you know, find uranium in, in another drill play where they are sort of of um, significant grades and widths, um, perhaps not. Um, but, you know, it was a first pass at that time. You know, I, 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 the only low point that's really jumping out at me right now was, um, you know, in 2008, we had the subprime fiasco and the markets collapsed, you know, all the markets collapsed, all the public markets. And, you know, we were quite fortunate that we had uh, three million in the bank at that time, and that provided us leverage in a pretty crappy market where most juniors were um, hand to mouth. You know, they had less than a million bucks in the bank. They were on care and maintenance. Um, a lot of them went went bankrupt, went under. Um, so we were in a good position, but I, you know, I don't want to call it a failure, but our mindset um, it did it did get dragged down. It was a very uh, taxing depressing time and at moments it did seem a bit bleak that even though we had cash we didn't really feel that we were gonna we were, we were all worried about the, the the success of our our company but also the health of the industry and rightfully so 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 
the, the, I mean, I don't know. That that's the only one that came up to mind as far as our I would say our mindset was a little bit um, um, tattered and and beaten up. And um, even though we had this little bit of a, a war chest at that time, it didn't really. The morale of the team was pretty dire, and uh, it did. We did bounce back fairly quickly in the sense that we just, you know, we just rolled up our sleeves. And I remember saying to our CEO at the time, you know, we got to get back out there. Um, there's opportunity around us but you know our stock went from you know we went i think at that time we had about a 60 million dollar market cap um because we had this um there was a uranium asset in our company and uh we were a prospect generator so that that caused it created a bit of a value but that that deteriorated right down to we actually ended up being a five million dollar company our share price our share price went down to six cents <laughs> so when you have that much destruction of wealth, it's kind of hard to remain up positive and, and say, okay, you know, we're going to get out of this because, you know, uh, it, it's always harder to go up than to go down. So that, that was, that was pretty, um, pretty grueling. That was a, that was the only sort of real failure I can identify. Um, the rest was the, the rest of the, 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 the years at Kamenak were really just, you know, we had this roll your sleeves and, Pardon my language here, but get shit done. Um, and uh, and we 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 uh, we persevered and and we just always stuck to our model and just kept our eyes and ears open and and we were quite fortunate that in in 2009 is when we we sat down was at the mineral expert a, a conference called AME BC. Sorry, that's the organization. The conference is called Roundup, and it's actually happening next week. But we. Um, we we went uh, to that conference as we usually do and and that's where we we actually met a prospector by the name of sean ryan and we were introduced to the coffee gold project and you know the rest is, is history but in, in 09 we were able to secure that because we actually had three million dollars in the bank where a lot of juniors didn't so that, that was one of the boxes that were ticked when um sean was looking to vend this project to a company you know well, we could actually do work where most people could couldn't and we could also you know provide a cash payment yeah and, and sean certainly is a solid guy to have around and he's certainly doing a good job over at white gold corp let's move on let's talk to let's talk about tectonic so this is a new company that's recently been listed on the tsxv give us a brief overview tony and then i want to talk a few specifics sure the the tectonic was you know kamenak had the success the best thing that came out of one of the best things that came out of Kamenak was the relationships that were formed with the people. Um, Ira Thomas um, was the CEO, like I mentioned earlier, from 2013 to, to the sale in 2016. Her, her and I became best friends through that process. And we, we really wanted to sort of keep the team together to some extent, but also, um, yeah, and just work together. And, and uh, Tectonic was sort of the, the brainchild that came out of that with uh, Rob Carpenter and another gentleman by the name of Kurt Freeman. Um, we decided to move into Alaska and Kurt is a, a resident of Alaska, but he's also a highly respected geologist and principal of Avalon Development, which is a mineral ex um, services company. It provides services to, um, to mineral companies and mining companies. So it was, it was pretty important to get him on board. Plus he's just an awesome, outstanding uh, individual and very smart technically. So Tectonic started as let's get the Kamenak team back together. Let's also try to you know replicate the success of, of, of Tectonic, but let's actually build a company around a team. And so we 
we, we did that. And then we also structured a business model, which was uh, a little bit different than I think what most companies do. They usually find an asset and build a team around that. So we, 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 we built a, a business model and said, which essentially was, was targeting organic growth, as I mentioned earlier, you know, target discovery stage opportunities and manage risk. You know, there, our, our industry is 99% risk. So what we do at Tectonic is we try to de-risk projects right from the get-go. Even before we acquire them, we're, we're de-risking them from an environmental perspective, a First Nation or Native perspective. Um, we look at, you know, scale uh, of the, the targets or the property itself, um, the grade, what could the potential grade be here? So Tectonic had a team, a business model, and we decided to move into Alaska that uh, Alaska Yukon border is just a political border. The Yukon was very crowded after the Gold Corp Kamenak acquisition and Alaska was wide open. So we, we moved into that and we were private for two years. We, we were uh, self-funded for the first year and then RCF and a few other um, notable mining individuals funded us for the uh, second year. And then we decided to jump into the public space because we wanted to go drilling. And we felt it was the right time to A, expose our shareholders to, to a, a, a drill play. And B, more importantly, we felt the markets were, were starting to turn where being public could be more creative than being private. So that decision was made last year and we launched into the public space in November and we also executed two drill programs and we made three drill discoveries and one of them it happens to be near a mine called pogo which is a world-class high-grade gold mine and now we're getting ready in 2020 to um with the intent of drilling actually two more projects this year well let's talk briefly before we get into the projects i want to talk yeah. capital structure uh talk about uh, cash debt uh you know, share structure, et cetera, and then also who are the key shareholders? Definitely, uh, share structure, we have about 55 million shares outstanding. Man, um, the team, the, the Tectonic team itself owns about 38% of that. And so we're, we're um, heavily, um, we're huge owners, we're heavily vested. We've also invested uh, roughly 1.3, 1.4 million dollars into our company. And cash position as of our last published uh, financial was 2.9 million. We've obviously spent, uh, we spent a bit of that because we did execute a sort of a end of season drill program um, at our Northway project. So that's been depleted uh, a little bit further. And as far as key shareholders are concerned, um, we have RCF, one of the largest resource funds in the world. We also have Sprott Asset Management, the fund that owns a, a good little chunk of the company. And then we we have fairly um, we have we have some high net worth individuals. Some that, if you're familiar with Kamenak, we're we're on that shareholder registry. And we also have um, Sprott Securities down in San Diego. Um, a few of the key brokers down there and their clients that own um, you know, probably over 10, about around 10% of the company as well. So, and a couple of funds out in Europe um, that are more uh, 
boutique mining funds, if you will, that uh, have taken an ownership in our company. Okay, and Tony, where are you at as far as the shares that you own, and can you share with us the cost basis for those shares? Definitely. I own roughly about 4 million shares of the company and my cost base is around the 10 cent range, to be perfectly honest. I, I have participated all the way up to 35 cents, which was our last financing price. But when we started the company, there were earlier rounds that, that were the more bulky investments took place. Can you speak a little bit more to the management team? Who, who's really key to being success critical? I really do think it's it's a team approach, but um, I will highlight uh, a few different individuals. Um, when when I say team, I, I you know I I really I'm actually encouraging myself and and also my you know the people in, within our organization to you know you, sometimes we have to pause and pinch ourselves to, to the team we've actually we've actually established. Um, it's quite phenomenal when you start at the board level right through to to our our senior geologist. And on the board level, you know, we, we've been fortunate to have, um, you know, a gentleman by the name of Mel Benson. He's the, he's the longest serving director of Suncor Energy, which is Canada's largest oil and gas company. So we're talking about like an $80 billion company. He sits on, on that board and he sits on Tectonic. <laughs> so we're, you know, he's definitely overqualified, if you will but we're very fortunate to have him. We also have a gentleman by the name of uh, Michael Roper or commonly referred to as Mick Roper, who works for Eniko Eagle Mining, one of the largest gold companies in the world. This is his first directorship. So again, we're, we're honored that he would take a position with a junior um, and, this, and, and, and his only directorship to be perfectly honest at this moment in time. And he, he manages Agnico's uh, West Coast office, and he's a director of project evaluation. So those two people are, are um, and, you know, I mentioned Kurt earlier. He's another director. And the other, the other director I wanted to mention as well is, is a, a lady by the name of Allison Rippen Armstrong, who was VP of sustainability for Kamenak. And she has such a unique skill set. Not only is she a great person um, inside and out, but also she has this uh, diverse background where she's actually an environmental biologist by trade. And I don't know too many juniors that actually have an environmental biologist on their board or on their team. Uh, and so she's also been involved in the permitting of nine mines throughout Northern Canada. So her, her skill set, and she's worked for the government, the federal government of Canada. She's worked for directly with the First Nations and she's worked with large-scale mining companies, and now she's uh, she's worked with Kamak, and now she's working with us. So to have someone tick all those boxes, the lens that she looks at at a project is very unique, and the the skill and the knowledge that she passes down to us is is phenomenal. And then uh, on the management side, you know, we have myself, and I also want to highlight uh, our VPX, uh, Eric Beitenhouse. Um, he is one one he actually he's one of the smartest geologists i've ever met and he's and and the thing is he, he's only uh 30 years old um he, he actually might be 31 but he's, he's actually i you know just he's a very young geologist but you know he came out of university western university he did um, he was a student 
We hired him as a student at our coffee gold project in Mulberry at Kamenak. Um, he did his thesis on one of our, on the latte deposit, which is one of the deposits at coffee. And we quickly saw something special in him. So um, he, he got his degree and he went on to, you know, move up the ranks at Kamenak, was part of, uh, you know, making discoveries at the uh, at, at coffee. Um, he was also part of orchestrating the, the, the initial mineral resource estimate and then part of the feasibility study. And while Gold Corp acquired Kamenak, uh, they actually um, elected to keep a couple individuals from Kamenak, or, um, and Eric was one of them. And it was, uh, you know, they, they saw something immediately in him as well. And he started moving up the ranks at, at Gold Corp, so to speak. Um, you know, he was literally en route um, or about to leave for Argentina, but he was going to operate a $25 million program there. And I approached him out of the blue and I said, I, I would like to have lunch with you. And uh, he left Gold Corp, his cushy job, um, and decided to uh, join Tectonic. And uh, he's, a, he's, he's a shiny star in our industry that not too many people know about. And uh, he just keeps getting smarter and better each and every year with the more knowledge he, he obtains and his passion and enthusiasm for the mineral space and for discovery is is phenomenal so there there are definitely others on our team that are worth mentioning um but that's that that's kind of the you know just to keep it short and succinct but the, those are the few people i wanted to highlight for today's discussion i can talk further about the other team if you want no problem no and i you certainly mentioned uh, rob and ira before and mm -hmm. uh appreciate you sharing that information more information on the management team and sounds like a, a pretty good group that you've put together tony well, let's let's talk key projects um, and what can we expect from the company on those projects in 2020 and where is the focus going to be? Okay, so we're, you know, obviously we're at the start of the year and um, budgets and capital being uh, reviewed and, and how we want to move forward. At the end of the day, uh, we have a drill discovery that is quite significant on our TIBS project, which is the one near Pogo that I mentioned earlier. And the drill discovery intercept was six grams, roughly roughly six grams over 29 meters. And we're seeing potential along strike and also at depth where we can expand that discovery. So that's going to be uh, a, a, a very much a focus for 2020. And we also have another project by the name of 70 Mile that is a 40 kilometer long gold belt greenstone belt that's been sitting dormant for 20 years up until about a year and a half ago when we acquired it we went in there with a different model if you will geological model and we're finding gold where we expect it to be and we have now delineated probably there's there's no shortage of targets on this property it's 150,000 acres uh, 40 kilometers long um, there's gold and soil anomalies everywhere, but we vectored we vectored in um, onto probably roughly about eight to ten zones, and we are excited to get a drill on that property, and basically do what do do what we did at Tibbs, um, blitz a bunch of zones, try to find the center of gravity, and make a drill discovery, and we you know our our excitement for both those two projects 
is is extremely high because we think the potential is very real and can be transformative for our company. And what's the time frame like, Tony? Can you give us a little bit more information on when folks can expect the next drilling program and when those results will come out? We're probably thinking around um, June. June's always an ideal time. And you kind of want to get up there initially and we might want to do a bit of work prior to that, but probably execute our first drill program either the end of May, um, somewhere in June. And then, you know, results would, would follow up depending on lab situation two to four weeks after that. And who's handling the drilling work for Tectonic, Tony? Um, last year we, we used, and we're probably in this year as well, we'll, we use a company by the name of Ground Truth, which is a uh, Yukon-based company that's done a lot of work for us uh, the, at Kamenak back in the day. And they're also done the work at White Gold, if you're not familiar with who they are. A uh, great team. They're, they come out of the Sean Ryan School of Exploration, if you will. <laughs> and uh, they they have this, this track-mounted uh, RAB drill that we've actually brought into Alaska last year. We were the first company to actually bring, actually we're the first company to utilize them in Alaska, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we're also the first company in quite some time to actually utilize a RAB drill. So this this applies to some of our you know business model and our exploration strategy of how to do things effectively. Um, and the RAB drill is quite a, um, it's not necessarily a unique tool, but it it gets uh, I call it a scout drill. When you when you're blessed with a lot of targets, um, I think uh, some of the mistakes that some of the juniors make is that they go in there with with uh, say a diamond drill, and depending where you're situated, obviously diamond drills down south are, are much cheaper to operate than in the north, mainly due to logistics and infrastructure. But you know you you don't you don't want to get fit. I I personally don't you know when you have a lot of targets you want to find which target has the best potential for scale and grade, and sometimes um, you know instead of getting fixated on one target we we essentially want to try to make multiple discoveries and test multiple zones, and then step back and assess okay which zone has the best potential for scale and grade, and then follow follow that up the following year with perhaps a diamond drill, which is the most costlier, but ultimately it's, 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 it's the best tool for obtaining geological information and sometimes testing down at depth as well. Yeah, certainly Ground Truth is a good team. Um, I think you made mm -hmm. a good choice there and uh, they're doing a great job over at White Gold and I'm, I suspect they'll be doing the same for you. Can you speak to local jurisdictions that you're dealing with on the properties as far as federal, state and tribe lands? And then also, what is the status of the relations with the native corporations? Definitely, so we, we have three projects in, in Alaska. Um, the TIBS project is, is situated on, on state land and it's it's within the Good Pasture Mining District and which is host to the Pogo Mine. So, you know, from, from locally, um, it's, it's very much, um, you know, straightforward, if you will. The the other two projects um, we've, as part again, a part of our business model managing risk and assessing opportunities, we've actually partnered up with a billion dollar Alaska Native Corporation. And the way the land tenure works in Alaska, there's there's federal land, there's state land, and you, you called it tribe land. I call it native, or in Alaska it's referred to as native land. And each one has its own sort of a, you know, when I, if I were to rank them accordingly, uh, 
you know, providing that the, the native corporation is pro-business, pro-mining, uh, native land can be quite simply the, the, the superior land to, to operate on. Um, it's sort of fee simple. You deal directly with the native corporation on many fronts. Um, there, there is sometimes um, other regulatory involvement, but for the most part, you're dealing directly with them. And when two people are aligned for a common goal or two organizations are aligned for a common goal, and in our case with Doyon, it's to find a mine. And so they're, they're, they're very much supportive of that initiative and so are us and so are we. And that makes for a great partnership. And when we approach them, they are, as I mentioned before, you know, they're, they're a huge economic driver in the state of Alaska. So they, they swing a big stick. They're all, they are also the largest landholder in the state of Alaska. So there's, there's tracts of land from a geological perspective that we've identified that could be highly opportun opportunistic for finding a mine. So when we approached them, we, we introduced ourselves and, and it resonated. And there was a willingness to work together from, from both parties. And we elected or, and pushed for, and then um, we ended up signing a lease agreement that is actually a production agreement. So although these assets are early stage, we have de-risked them with production agreements. And what that allows us to do is really focus most of our time and energy on finding a mine. Whereas in state land or in parts of Canada, you know, the you don't the, it, you don't typically get a production agreement and there's more negotiations, more hurdles to jump through from a regulatory perspective. So a lot of that is taken care of at the onset. And we think that's a, a, a huge win for, for both of us. And it's been a, a true pleasure actually working with them. Well, speak to the goals of management with this company, Tony. What is the end game? Are you gonna follow the Kamenak model exactly? What is the target size as far as uh, asset size you're looking for? I, you know, you guys wanna find another mine or, or find something that could potentially be a mine. What is your time frame? And is the ultimate goal a buyout? Well, the, the the ultimate goal is to create value for shareholders. And you know, that's a, that's sometimes a, a generic term that gets thrown around a lot in our in our space. But you know, if you if you visited our, our presentation or our website, you know, we, we call it transformational wealth. So how is that how how we now that we've identified that, you know, we can't lose focus. We're here to ultimately what that means is we're here to make money for our shareholders. <laughs> you know, um, we have to always put the shareholders first because they're the owners in the company and obviously we work for them. And the best way that we, we're going to do that is by um, making a discovery. And when I say discovery, there's different sort of levels of discovery. Uh, I mentioned earlier the tier one assets. For, you know, for us, we don't focus on small things. Um, we like to play big, um, large scale gold systems, gold deposits, mineral deposits, you know, um, we, we, need, we need size, our industry needs size, and the majors only care about size, and size solves a lot of, lot of issues. Then the next thing we look at, um, or in tandem, I should say, is grade. You know, grade solves a lot of problems. You know, grade is king. We've heard that over and over again. Ultimately, we're looking for high margin ounces. And, you know, something, you know, five million ounce plus is, is the 
um, the realm or the lens that we look at when we're assessing these opportunities and we want to see high grade or high margin ounces. So scale, grade, um, create transformational wealth for our shareholders is really the, the name of the game. That sounds good, and I, I certainly agree with you that uh, that's that's a good way to go. And, and if you can help the the local folks there by by bringing in jobs and bringing in work, whether it's uh, advancing to a mine decision or um, exploration work support, et cetera, is fantastic. And over here, I, I like to say that management is king, perhaps great as queen, but uh, but certainly <laughs> management to me is king. Well, Tony, how about a U.S. OTC listing? Now, I noticed you guys aren't listed on the US OTC yet. Um, when will that occur? And will you guys go for a QB or QX listing? I think um, I think definitely we we will at some uh, at some point. Uh, we I guess uh, last year was a pretty intense year. Uh, four exploration programs we executed, including two drill programs. Um, we raised uh, 5.8 million, and we uh, ended up you know and we took tectonic public so um we really wanted to get on the venture like asap um and and now that that's done with then we will be turning our our attention towards perhaps an additional uh us listing it's obviously it's very beneficial so um it's just a matter of, of time till we actually go down that path problem and uh yeah we, we definitely want to ex expose ourselves to, to more shareholders we Literally, we're just coming up for air, so definitely uh, something that we're going to um, address probably going forward in the future here. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, a US OTC basic listing is pretty simple from my understanding, and plus you guys are in Alaska, so it would help for the uh, US investors uh, who maybe aren't as sophisticated to get into the Canadian exchanges, but use maybe kind of a run-of-the-mill broker in the US that may not allow access to Canada. Uh, US OTC is a good way to go. Um, Tony, for potential investors who are listening, why should they take a hard look at Tectonic at current price levels? Thank you for that question. Um, the So to start off at the price level, we're actually trading slightly below the last two financing prices. So we, we financed at 35 cents uh, in 2019, and then again at 35 cents in 2018. Those are the only two outsider financings we've done within the company and I, and uh, so right now we're we're slightly below that so from an entry point um it's it's a great time to to look at the stock cuz you'd actually be cheaper than a lot of those funds and shareholders that I mentioned earlier and there's no one that's going to be hitting you up um with uh you know 10 cent or 15 cent paper cuz management and the insiders are all escrowed plus we have no intention of selling so it's always good to get in at the bottom. Uh, the other reason why you know one should look at Tectonic is that I think we're going to have a, a remarkable year this year. There's not too many opportunities where, as a management team or even as an investor, we can step up to a, a drill discovery of six grams over 29 meters, and the company will will step out a long strike and see just how big that is. That drill discovery was literally one fence of holes and a kilometer long uh corridor so there's there's they were literally just scratching the surface there um they will also get exposure to another drill program at 70 mile and the other thing that they're going to get exposure to is is a business model and a team that operates with integrity and honesty and transparency 
uh, we pride ourselves selves on our core values and and how we um, um, communicate and how we operate this company um, they also have exposure to a team that I think is the top quartile in the space um, I mentioned those those people earlier there's there's we have you know a, a very diverse team from mining individuals to oil and gas individuals to environmental biologists to also Ira Thomas and Rob Carpenter who are part of our advisory team and also founders of this company they are um, soon to be Hall of Famers if you will in our space Ira's done tremendous things on every front you can imaginable within the exploration and mining space um, she definitely is a, a legend. So having access to those people, that talent, um, I think, you know, as you mentioned, the management team is king. So, you know, those those are some of the attributes why I think uh, set, sets us apart from a lot of the other companies out there. Um, plus, our share structure is extremely tight. Um, management is heavily vested. We own a lot. Um, you know, tight share structure. We got a bit of cash in the bank as well. And we have a really uh, solid shareholder base. And we're just literally starting. You know, we went public in November here, um, so we're we're literally just uh, getting off, getting our, our feet feet wet here. And the car is going to be going into fifth gear here very soon. And how can the audience reach out and learn more about Tectonic? Yeah, I think that the best way is to um, obviously we accept phone calls any 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 uh, any any time of day there. But um, you know the our, our email is uh, info at tectonicmetals.com. Reaching out through that way through the website, which is www.tectonicmetals.com. You know, email, web, phone. Um, we also have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page. So those are other avenues to connect with us. And we are attending the two conferences coming up here, and all the standard conferences. If somebody wants to reach out on that that front. We're based in Vancouver. Is where our office is but you know we we do travel quite extensively as well so we can always come out if you're if you get on our email list you'll know where we're traveling to and we can uh, hopefully connect through, um, through one of those avenues well tony we really appreciate you coming on to talk about tectonic and uh good luck in 2020. thank you andrew for the opportunity to share a bit about me and about our company and our team with you and all the best to you as well in 2020.